Good day. You're listening to European Buddha. Some days ago, there was the first Buddhist chaplaincy conference in Europe. It was in Rome and it was initiated by the EBU Chaplaincy Network and by the Buddhist Centro Zen, La Arco Roma. One of the speakers and person behind the Buddhist chaplaincy work is Dario Girolami. Hello. Hello. It's very nice to see you again. Some listeners will remember Dario was our first guest in our EBU podcast. Back in the day, we were talking about impermanence. Still a very up-to-date topic, I would say. <laughs> And today we want to dive a little bit deeper in what is the meaning of chaplaincy work. And with me today also again is Emilia Raunio. Hello, Emilia. Hello. You have something in mind. Yeah, it's still in my mind because I was reading this morning a book and, and there's a little verse from uh, Venerable Master Sing Yan. And I think it goes perfectly to this moment. You must have the way in your heart to be able to embrace everything. And I think this is perfectly for Dario because the work that you are doing is something that you truly have to have a way in your heart to be able to embrace everything. So we're looking forward to hear about uh, your experiences and work on the field of chaplaincy work. So warmly <laughs> welcome. It's so nice to have you here with us today. As Martin mentioned, you were our first guest a few years ago. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm very, very happy to be here again with you and it's going very well as Martin just mentioned we had this uh, conference in Rome uh, the very first conference dealing with Buddhist chaplaincy in Europe and it has been wonderful we had speakers from uh, US and Europe well I am the organizer so I should not say that but <laughs> my feeling is that we had the best speakers we could have in the West. So mm. I'm very, very happy uh, uh, about it. The conference went very, very well. Uh, and the atmosphere was of friendship, sharing. Everyone was eager to support uh, each other. So it was a really wonderful experience. Very good. And the topic was Buddhist chaplaincy. Buddhist in, chaplaincy in Europe. Yeah. So... Uh, Buddhist chaplaincy is an emerging field in the West, but the, the seeds of Buddhist chaplaincy begin with the Buddha himself. More than 2,500 years ago, he found a path to peace and to end suffering in response to aging, sickness, and death. So walking in the footsteps of the Buddha that we can call the first Buddhist chaplain, uh, Buddhist chaplains today help to alleviate and transform the experience of suffering, so physical pain, difficult emotions, disturbing thoughts, agony, fear, anger, guilt, depression, loneliness, grief, and so on. And Buddhist chaplaincy is a, this is very important, it's a dharma-based compassionate service to Buddhists and non-Buddhists we as chaplains, we are going in the places of suffering. So prisons, hospitals, hospice, hospices. 
So the, are, the areas of society where suffering is very, very high. And at this uh, conference, um, there were these uh, uh, areas and different speakers who have experience in this area. I was curious, uh, is there a principle of chaplaincy work you all could agree on that is very important in that regard? Yes, yes. As I mentioned, the, what we agree on is that there is suffering and we want to take care of suffering. It is strictly connected with the Four Noble Truths. Uh, this mm -hmm. is what we have in common. We all suffer and we want to end suffering. So uh, this is what we have in common. And of course, we have in common the practice of compassion. And in terms of Mahayana Buddhism, the Bodhisattva practice of compassion, of healing suffering in, in other beings. So it was very, very easy to find, uh, for us to find uh, a common ground that is helping others for the benefit of all beings in the places of suffering. And uh, I invited speakers that are experts in the different areas. For instance, uh, one of the keynote speakers was John Halifax Roshi, abbess of Upaya Zen Center, and she's a hospice caregiver, but also uh, she created her own uh, school uh, course in chaplaincy in, in US. We had as a keynote speaker, Ajahn Kemadammo, uh, that is the spiritual director of the Angulimala, uh, the Buddhist prison chaplaincy in UK. He is the most important Uh, prison chaplain, Buddhist prison chaplains in, in, in UK. Then one of the co-organizers together with me was Kristen DeLeo, that is a Buddhist spiritual carer. She's an expert of um, uh, hospice chaplaincy, and she works in a hospice in Ireland. Then we had Kit Moonings, co-organizer, together with us, a meditation teacher, med Vipassana meditation teacher, and hospital chaplain. He works in uh, UK, in many, many hospitals in, 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 in UK. Uh, just to give you an, an idea. And also we had Elena Seishin Viviani, that is responsible in Italy for the uh, Buddhist ministers. That And in Italy, we have a special agreement with the government and Buddhist ministers of the Italian Buddhist Union uh, have a special permission. They can go in the places of suffering with a simplified um, procedure. As you mentioned, uh, the places where you do chaplaincy work, places of suffering, like hospitals or jails where... Like, for, for example, in hospitals, people might spend their last weeks or months and, and truly suffering. And also for the families of people, it can be very difficult to go there. I'm curious to ask if, if you have a story or an example of what you do uh, as a chaplaincy worker when you go, for instance, to a hospital. Is there like a group meetings or you meet people individually? How is it organized and how does it look like? Well, it's uh, different. It depends on the occasion, of course, but normally uh, is to take care of the person, of the person that is uh, sick or that is dying. 
So uh, it's a private meeting with the person that is on the bed. And it is important that it's private so that the person in the bed can open up and feel free to express fully the suffering, the fear, the anguish. Uh, it's important to have privacy and uh, so people can share. But the support is not only the support that I offer and that we offer is not only for the person seeking bed, but is also for the family and in my humble opinion, for the staff, medical doctors and nurses, it, the support is for them too, because it is, it is a highly demanding and stressing job. So as in Mahayana, the practice is to take care of the whole uh, group, not only on one single person. So of course, yes, we have meetings with the person in bed, but we, all, we have also meeting meetings at large with the family and with the family and the person in bed with the doctors and nurses and in order to to help the 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 whole group in this process when i was thinking about these places places of suffering like hosp hospitals or prisons they are in a sense also i would say places to reflect for instance in prison You have time, I guess, or it could be that it's a very potent field also. And I like to remember also in the last episode, you briefly uh, told us a story about someone you encountered, you introduced to meditation. And he said to you, wow, you are the first person that says to me, uh, I have value mm -hmm. as a human being. Yes. Life-changing. Yeah. Yes, it is a life, can be a life-changing mm -hmm. experience. Uh, for instance, in U.S., I've been trained as a prison chaplain in U.S. and San Francisco, uh, where San Francisco Zen Center have been uh, uh, teaching meditation in the prison of San Quentin for more than 40 years. And uh, I've been trained there, and every year I go back to San Francisco Zen Center, and I go to teach also at San Quentin, to the Buddhist group that is there. Buddhist Sangha is a, actually officially a Sangha, and mm -hmm. I go to teach there. Every year they are so nice that they invite me. And one day I went there, and uh, uh, the head monk of the prisoners, because this is important, they were able to transform the period they had to spend in prison in a spiritual retreat. Uh, if you uh, pass me the example, there, is, there are similarities. There is the cell. In a monastery, there is a cell, monastic cell. In prison, mm -hmm. there is a <laughs> cell, prison cell. And uh, in US, you have to wear, wear a uniform. As in uh, monastery, you have to wear the cassock or the robe. You have to eat what is given by the monastery, by the institutions. You cannot get out. Have a wall. To have yeah. a wall, yes. You live with people that you didn't choose. So there are similarities. Of course, you do choose to go in a monastery and mm. uh, uh, in a prison is a different kind of choice. But uh, there are similarities. So these people meditating in prisons were able to transform the period they had to spend in prison in a spiritual retreat. 
and alchemically they were able to transform the prison cell in a monastic cell with a very, very deep transformation. And there are people that also took vows, Buddhist vows in prisons, lay vows, but also monastic vows with an incredible transformation. So one day I was talking to one of these people, a person that was spending a long time in prison and in prison he met meditation and had a big transformation. And he told me that when he was very little, he was very peaceful, uh, but family was absent, school was absent, society at large was absent. And the only group that took care of him was a group, uh, uh, criminal gang. And this criminal gang took care of him in a criminal way, but still took care of him and uh, gave him uh, an idea of life, a deviated idea of life, but still an horizon. And so he started to commit crimes and then he was sentenced and entered prison. And in prison, he met for the very first time meditation. And he was very grateful. I know it's a strong word, but he was grateful to prison because in prison, he was able to meet meditation, and Buddhist meditation. And thanks to Buddhist meditation, he had this incredible transformation. And he became the head monk of prisoners and started to teach meditation, Buddhist meditation, to other inmates. Mm. Uh, so uh, again, it's possible a deep, deep transformation. And I'm curious about um, also the chaplains. It's a very, um, when I listen to your words, it's a very a valuable work, and but also demanding with your first uh, um, quote, Emilia. You have to have the way in your heart in order to embrace everything embrace to, everything embrace everything yeah care for people yeah. how would you say what is the first step caring for myself or yes. or have a sense of suffering for myself i know how suffering is feeling like in order to help yeah. so uh yes the practice of chaplaincy is highly demanding Mm -hmm. And at risk of burnout is what is called compassion fatigue. So mm -hmm. it is important to be aware of that. And, but it's also extremely rewarding. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a, an incredible practice for me. And the one that receives benefit from this practice is myself. I'm learning a lot in prisons and I'm learning a lot in hospices where I'm active because I'm learning there. Of course, there are prerequisites. That is a specific training. I can tell you more about that in a minute because during the conference, we presented the very first course in Buddhist chaplaincy endorsed by the EBU. So I'll tell you more later. So, but you have to be trained, but also before starting that kind of training and before even thinking of going in a prison or in a hospital as a chaplain, It's important to have a deep, deep Buddhist practice. Uh, I use the word seasoned practitioners. Uh, you have to steep in the Buddhist tradition. Uh, otherwise, it's difficult to help other beings, other people, if you are drowning. So yes, as you said, it's important to be in contact with our own suffering. And this is one of the uh, 
trigger of compassion, to be aware of the suffering in our heart, yes. But also we have to be able to deal with our own suffering and with the suffering of others. In order to do that, we have to be very, very stable in our Dharma practice. So one of the prerequisites to attend our course is to be very, very stable and very, very steep in the Dharma practice. And in order to attend this course, you have to be endorsed by uh, a Dharma center and a Dharma teacher and have, also this is very important, the supervision of a Dharma teacher. As professors and teachers in, of the course, of course, we will offer supervision, but it's also important to have the supervision from your own Dharma teacher in order to deal with exactly what you were mentioning, because many things will come up. Meeting the suffering of other people, dire suffering. I mean, uh, I, I meet people that are sentenced to life in US, not in Europe, uh, but in, in US, I work with people that are sentenced to death. In Italy, I work with people that are sentenced to life. They have to spend their whole life. I work with serial killers, mass murderers. So uh, the level of suffering that I meet is very, very high. And that is natural, is human, that activate in my heart very strong emotions so in order to do that you have to have already in place the tools meditative tools that will help you to deal with the negative emotions that will come up while meeting suffering or while meeting a mafia killer while meeting a person dying so yes it's a very strong practice very demanding practice but very rewarding very rewarding practice Have you encountered compassion fatigue yourself? Yes, it's natural to meet compassion fatigue. That's why it's important to have a specific training in order to recognize mm -hmm. when compassion fatigue is uh, um, getting up. And uh, it's important to have tools that mm -hmm. are appropriate to take care of compassion fatigue. Very nice term. I heard, I heard it today the first time and it's, it pretty much makes a lot of sense <laughs> to recognize, oh, this is uh, maybe the wrong way to approach <laughs> compassion. So if I may say something about the uh, course that we presented at the conference is the very first course in Buddhist chaplaincy in Europe endorsed by the European Buddhist Union. And as I mentioned, in order to attend the, the course, Uh, you have to be endorsed by uh, a, a Dharma center that is affiliated with the EBU and is a, a four-module course. So module one is introduction to Buddhist chaplaincy, where people can assess if they are, if they, if chaplaincy is what they really want to do. So it's an introduction to chaplaincy is a way to assess if a person is exactly what he or she wants to do. And is an introduction to the different types of chaplaincy that we are developing. So prison chaplaincy, hospital chaplaincy, and hospices chaplaincy. Uh, then module two is a chaplaincy area of specialization. So once you decide that, yes, I want to be a chaplain, and yes, I want to be, for instance, a prison chaplaincy, then we have module two, where we study thoroughly what it means for instance, to be a, 
hospital chaplains or prison chaplains. Then model three is placement, and that will be in uh, collaboration with the Na Buddhist national unions. So we send people, candidates to the national unions where they can uh, have placement and they can mirror other people already working in hospitals, prisons, and uh, in their own country with our supervision. And then there is the module four that is integration and assessment, where we integrate the teachings, where we assess what has been developed, and then there is a final dissertation and then a certificate. The other good news is that not only people will receive an EBU certificate as EBU chaplains, but we are developing this program in collaboration with Dharmagate University, a Buddhist university in Europe. It, it, it is based in Budapest. And we are working together. And the idea is that um, people will receive a university certificate. That's great. So it will be like a yearly class rolling on, right? Uh, well, four modules. Uh, to complete the four modules, it will take two years mm. because what is uh, um, it will take time for the placement. Mm. So once we people attend the first two modules, then we send people to the national unions, and the candidates will have to gather um, fifty-four hours of public service. And in order to do that, it will take time. For instance, if I go to prison one hour a week, it will take a long time before I collect yeah. 54 hours that are not much, but uh, is a good start. And hopefully we will implement the program. Yeah. And, and anyways, con con it's continuing and yes. starting again. And so, yes. yeah. so that is great news. And people that will complete the program will be our ambassadors in the different national unions, and they mm. will help us to, uh, uh, gather other students and uh, promote the, the, the program and hopefully we will create a virtuous circle. Mm. Yeah, that's really great. Um, also, I, listening to you, I have a feeling that um, really the spirit of compassion can enter these places. In prisons, usually the compassion does not have a place there or like attendance, mm -hmm. attendance, somebody who is attending, someone listening, and um, yeah. And that's what, what people mostly need there. You know, talking about prison, uh, uh, it, it has been heard about suicides of inmates, mm -hmm. but even guards su uh, commit suicides. And the rate mm -hmm. of suicides among guards, prison guards, is very, very high because mm -hmm. it's a highly stressful job. And so, uh, as in taking care of the hospital, it's important to take care of doctors and nurses. At the same, uh, in the same way, it's important in prison to take care of guards because mm -hmm. they are imprisoned in some way. Yes, mm -hmm. at night they go back home, but they spend their entire life in prison in a, very, in a place of suffering. Mm -hmm. One day I was talking to a prison guard. So I teach meditation to prison guards too. Oh, good. And, uh, Uh, since the program of meditation for guards was so successful that the Italian government, the Ministry of Justice, called me and asked me to organize a course in Buddhist meditation for prison for people 
working in prisons, not only guards, but also directors, psychologists, and social workers. And that was very, very successful. We started with 50 people, then they like it very much. So we had to uh, create another program for 100 people that was so successful that we had to create another program for 200 people. And uh, so in the end, 500 people attended this, this program. And then they invited me to teach meditation in their own prisons. So, uh, that is to say that people working in prison are highly, highly stressed. And one day I was talking to a guard and he was red in his face. And he told me, uh, I'm really not happy of locking human beings in a cell. Mm -hmm. People may think that is easy for me, but it's not. I know that they are human beings and locking them inside is uh, very, very painful for me. And he was having uh, heart problems. Mm. So he asked for my help. And when I told them, you know, you are doing a, a, a social job that is very important for society. And I used the example that I, I was mentioning you earlier. I said, you are a healer because you are healing people. And he said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. This change of perspective helped him. So what about you, Emilia? Are you encouraged to, to approach, to approach uh, in that regard? What do you think? Yes, definitely. As you said, Dario, the story of a prison who told you that you are the first person who actually believes in him or sees him or accepts him. Uh, there's so many people that have never been seen in their life or believed in. So if there's even a one person who is there for you, listening to you, smiling, accepting you as you are, it is truly a healing experience. Yes. And this is something that we have to continue on our life and path and, and uh, work on this. And not only in the jails or hospitals, but in our everyday life. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes, yes. A wonderful work uh, you are you're sharing, and it's really it motivated me really much to to yeah. uh, engage in that topic, in, in, inform myself, and I guess with that training will come up uh, some some day at via the EBU website or so, Dario. Yes. Yes. Yeah. On the EBU website, there is already a page devoted to uh, the EBU chaplaincy network mm -hmm. that I also created. So uh, the EBU has several uh, networks, and I am the founder of the EBU chaplaincy network that is up and alive. And on the EBU webpage, you can find the details. Uh, and the network is to support people already working as Buddhist chaplains or around Europe. And uh, yes, pretty soon we will uh, share all the information of the upcoming course in Buddhist chaplaincy. Thank you very much, Dario, You're for your time. Thank you so much, Dario. Thank you. You're for your insights, your wisdom. And yeah, bravo, I can say. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>